0: Welcome to Artists in Depth. I'm Alan Powell. This season, my co host Bill Key and I decided to change things up a bit. We're still talking with people in the acting and arts world, and we're still exploring links with their creativity and their identity, but we're also opening the conversation to include topics that involve the well being of artists in the process of creation and other related subjects. Artists in Depth provides an opportunity for the listener to reflect on their artistic expression and their well being. Let's get started. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada. Embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives. Our guest today is Dr. Mark Seaton. Dr. Seaton is an honorary research associate in the Department of Theatre and Performance Studies at the University of Sydney, Australia. He also teaches actor well-being in several drama schools and coaches actors dealing with highly vulnerable and potentially traumatizing roles. He was awarded a Churchill Fellowship to conduct a study tour of actor training healthcare practices in the UK. As a result, the Equity Foundation, in collaboration with the University of Sydney, initiated an internationally groundbreaking actor's well-being study in 2013. Dr. Seaton is a founding member of the Australian Society of Performing Arts Healthcare. Our discussion with Dr. Seaton, or Mark as I like to call him, started with his own journey that led to his research on actors' mental health. Along the way, he drops some fascinating perspectives on what an actor is, including the importance of vulnerability and resilience. He even talks about the original term he coined, resilient vulnerability, and describes its significance, Mark doesn't subscribe to the concept of becoming the character. His explanation humanizes the acting experience. Mark, thank you for joining us. Yeah. The conversations that we've had uh, over the last, what, maybe 18 months or so have been very, very inspiring and exciting. I was so elated when I found someone who was saying the same things that I was saying, and you've been saying for a lot longer than me. Uh, about actors' mental health, about the resilience, and I love the uh, uh, resili- is it resilient vul- vulnerability. Great. resilient
1: vulnerability. Yes, love, a, love the term I coined. Yep, and, and it's a trademarked as well. I think um, it is trademarked. Well, it's copy copyright marked, but not trademarked.
0: So maybe that's probably a really good place to start. Why don't we start there and and, and talk about that? Um, and I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many things that you've written, so many research papers. Oh. <laughs> um, I wouldn't know where to begin but one of the, my connections to you uh, initially was around the resilient vulnerability. Um, so let's let's start there.
1: Yeah well I think that's a good place to start because when I first decided and I wasn't actually aware that there was a discipline around uh, health, well-being and performing artists. Like I didn't go in to doing my phd with that at top of mind my interest in in doing a doctoral study into places of actor training and in particular actors feeling safe or feeling that they wouldn't be shamed or embarrassed if they spoke about their personal moral and or spiritual beliefs concerns convictions as they went into actor training, I will trace back to my high school days when uh, I and my fellow students aged 17, 18, uh, began our classes and we were reading scenes from The Crucible by uh, Arthur Miller, uh, which some people may or may not know, it's about witches and and witch hunting um, in Salem. And as we began to read the text, I don't know about the other students, but I noticed I was feeling a little troubled, disturbed the the power of the text. And and we were not trained actors. We were just young students interested in the arts, interested in performance and reading this powerful text. And, And we were going, wow, there's something more going on than just reading out text. And within a couple of weeks, Our teacher had decided we were not going to be doing the crucible, but we were now going to do a pantomime instead. So, this (laughs) (laughs) radical shift from Arthur Miller's The Crucible to doing a pantomime. (laughs) So, and that just, I kind of thought, what was that all about? And so, many years later, because that was back in the late 70s, so in the mid 90s, when uh, mid to late 90s, when I uh, was I did my undergraduate degree in in theatre and philosophy. I began to reflect again on that question, uh, and because because that play was about spirituality, it was about witches, it was about evil, it was about good, and, and all that sort of stuff. I began to reflect as I was doing my my actor training and theatre training. Um, what's going on when actors are performing these kinds of things? Um, there's a kind of vulnerability. Didn't quite have that language for that at the time, but we were engaging with things that seemed to touch us physically, maybe even spiritually. What's that all about? And that was what set me off on a journey, and uh, I, where I had to redefine what I, what I might mean by spiritual. But at the end of the day, and the end of just keep life things short, but um, I uh, finished my PhD, and it was talking about forming. Invulnerability in actors in places of actor training. And I put invulnerability, the in in brackets. So it's forming invulnerable bodies. So are we forming invulnerable bodies? In other words, are we forming bodies that are tough and are able to cope with the ups and downs, the mental and spiritual and moral anguish? Or are we forming in vulnerable bodies that honors what I've come to present is the humanity that we all share, which is that vulnerability is actually a a good thing. It's a a part of a healthy human being to be vulnerable. Uh, By definition, I like the definition of um, one Australian, uh, Rosalind Diprose, who defines vulnerability, the ability or capacity to affect and be affected by the other. The other might be another actor It might be the text, it might be a bit of music, it might be an image, but it's that capacity to both affect others and be affected by the actions and the the feelings of others that reminds us of we're all interconnected to each other, and that's what we love in theatre and that what we love in film, and the moment we try and toughen that up, we're actually doing a disservice to the innate vulnerability um that uh, is there for us as human beings making meaning together through cultural artifacts like theater and film and television the reason for the resilience in the vulnerability and, and therefore the term resilient vulnerability is because in my own life journey where i was trying to manage and negotiate my own vulnerability in a prior marriage relationship that ended up uh, whereas I was experiencing physical and psychological violence from my partner I went through the trauma of being vulnerable without knowing how to be resilient in that vulnerability and it was through my gradually realizing one um, I have value and innate worth quite separate from being told that Uh, Two, I needed to learn to set boundaries to protect myself and that I should no longer try and be the martyr or the hero who was going to fix this interpersonal relationship in crisis. It was those things and a few other things that led me to a, a body wisdom around how do I learn to be resilient in my vulnerability so that I can be vulnerable again in relationships, in connection to others, where I had learned I had needed to survive by protecting myself, cutting myself off, um, shutting myself down, so I didn't feel the pain and could just keep on surviving. Um, So all of that then informed my subsequent uh, post-PhD and the journey to see, because there was a, a huge gap in the field of research around how do actors talk about what goes on between them, their sense of vulnerability. And as I went to places of actor training and saw vulnerability was praised and raised as the kind of gold standard for any amazing actor that we we think what a vulnerable performance. We all love that. And we have ways of recognizing that or misrecognizing that. So that was, it was the gap in the literature also around how do actors be resilient in their vulnerability um that spurred me on that's probably the, I could talk for hours on yeah, what happened since then but that gives you a good foundation I think for that, the, that was thank you that was great
0: I was just going to get up and leave and come back in 20 minutes <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no, it, was, it was
0: great thank you thank you um so every everything you said Mark was fascinating so mm. um and I could tell that Bill was also fascinated because he was I could see him glued to the screen <laughs>
2: Uh, I I, I certainly uh, was and I I kept thinking oh there's a point I must pick that up and and you know I think the thing that really stood out for me was was we're talking about artists and we're talking about them as as stripping everything away as human beings as they are as people outside of the rehearsal room or outside of the performance but we're, we're but then we're talking about who they are becoming as a in a role And so for each individual person, there will be an innate somewhere deep in the core of that character. There may be an innate vulnerability or, you know, um, well, yeah, I'll use the word vulnerability, but then on top of that is their own personal, the the character's life journey, who they are, soldier, nurse, mother, father, you know, whoever they are and the experiences they've had and where they are on the stage in that moment under threat, threatening you know but all those different things and so what would you say is is that part of the 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 creative process but you know once you've established that within each of us there is that you know sadness love joy blah 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 but then if you're a murderer where where where, do you know what i mean in character where how does where does that work its way through or how do the layers work of that does that make sense
1: Yeah, it does. Um, So uh, um, as Alan will know, I am a bit provocative at times. So here comes one of my provocations. Um, So I I don't subscribe to the the discourse and the presumptions around the actor becoming the character, or uh, I don't subscribe to the belief that the character somehow has a life of its own. Um, so I'll now unpack why <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've come to believe that. And, uh, and I think there's some emerging scholarship that would support my belief in that. Uh, so I see character, uh, and the term character I like to observe was only used as a means of describing certain personality traits in according to etymological studies that's the study of the history of language in the 17th 18th century so prior to that actors spoke of uh taking on roles and that was literally the roles of paper that were pinned up on the sides of the stage so so there has been this transmutation of I'll use the word transmutation. That's what comes to mind though. This shifting of the language we use to describe what we think actors are doing or what actors think they're supposed to be doing in order to generate a performance in which they uh, perform roles. I'm going to avoid the language, the challenges around character for the moment. They perform roles And those roles are experienced by the communities that are used to witnessing that kind of performance as having um, power and credibility and authenticity. Now, you'll notice perhaps that I'm steering away from the word real, because real uh, and truthful, and in particular, the real, we'll go with the real, realism is a 19th century phenomena um made prominent by the invention of the photograph which then informed the rest of artistic realism particularly in the west Um, so the notions around realism or the desire to be real truthful in role or we'll go temporarily in character uh, are very much an agenda of the late 19th 20th and ongoing into the 21st century and I think that's what leads to a lot of confusion for human beings who happen to enjoy acting Uh, and you'll notice I'm making a distinction there because I don't believe that there are actors there are human beings who have skills in acting but there's no species of human being who is actor. I see that in the same way. There are no musicians. There are human beings who are really good at doing music. Uh, There are no painters. So you can see my rationale behind that. Really crucial because you see, now I'll come back to the vulnerability. So the vulnerability is with our humanity, our shared humanity. Um, And so When uh, people who choose to act bring their humanity into playing the role or shaping a character. So I'm now going to look at the root etymology of the word character is creating a shape. The power of creating that shape isn't about some magical thing where you are giving it life, but rather you are using, yes, absolutely using your life, your energy, your memory, your capacity to feel and embody feeling uh, you're bringing all of that to the storytelling task which is what we expect actors to do and if the actor is confused then that actually can do them a potential psychological harm if they think they need to become this other in order to satisfactorily fulfill the duty of the storyteller as actor, uh, or actor as storyteller, rather. Um, So, for example, I like to cite, and I hope I'm not overdoing this, Bill, I've got a million things that I've (laughs) figured around this, but um, if we consider Helen Mirren, the actress, uh, Dame Helen Mirren, I should say, uh, who performed very powerfully the role of the Queen in a movie called The Queen, referencing Queen Elizabeth, uh, and it's a, a film based at the time when Princess Diana was killed in the car accident and how the Queen chose to respond to that or not respond to that. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many of the public and the media talk about, you know, how powerful and transformative that Helen Mirren became the Queen. Now, I regard that a bit of a nonsense. It, it sounds very romantic and, and and powerful, but only the Queen could be the queen. Only mm. the queen can be the queen. Helen Mirren gives us the character. That is the shape of the queen. We recognise the gestures. We recognise the sound in the voice. We recognise the demeanour. Um, but Helen's just Helen Mirren is a great actress, actor, actress, mm. and so she knows how to create a shape, a character. That we, as the public, as the audience, witnessing it with our social um, recognition of what she is doing as a human being, embodying this character, we then uh, allow ourselves to be deceived and going, "Wow, she became the queen," because that's the, the negotiation that we know historically from actors back to, like in the in Western culture, back to Greek theatre, um, there is an agreed. Uh, yet unspoken uh, notion that the actors who come onto the stage and create these shapes that we recognize as kings and slaves and whatever, we know that they're pretending, but we allow them to pretend in order for it to feel real. Mm. This agreement uh, that we have with the
0: actor, with the human being who is mm. happens to be, talented at the uh, form of acting or the art of acting all they're doing really the actor is just showing up being present in all mm. they uh, in all their senses so that they can receive whatever they need to receive yeah. in order to play
1: so yes and, and, um... Yeah, and I believe just to add another rich dimension to to show why we need actors and why, why actors' vulnerability is crucial to this is it's their capacity to affect and be affected by. So it's not just anybody who can learn lines, speak them, and be present. It's the be present part that's the particular trick. And the second part of the trick is the actor allowing themselves to be affected by a fiction. This resilient vulnerability idea
0: that in order for the actor to do that journey, to go out, if we talk about attachment theory, uh, the idea of safe enough to go and explore and then know that they can come back to themselves. um, There's something to be said about that, that in, in this world now, where Nicole Kidman, um, actors like that, uh, who are who can take that journey, um, I'm curious to know how are they coming back to themselves? Are they coming? Are they finding it difficult to come back
1: to themselves? Is there a process? Uh, it is fascinating. From my 20 now 23 years of paying attention to that, how there is still uh, little formal conversation about that in the acting schools that I encounter and the and the graduates of acting schools who say that they did not get any uh, reflection or training or preparation in how to do that journey. And I think this is important to note, that actors sometimes recognize that the journeys they go on, they can't unjourney the journey. What they at best they can do is decide which bits of the journey they will embrace and be informed by. And I mean, literally informed by and shifted by and moved by and carry that on in their human journey. And then there'll be other parts that they want to let go of as quickly as they could, despite there being clear challenges, and our Australian actor well-being study, conducted in two thousand and eleven, twelve 12 re- report came out in 13, identified 38% of actors had challenges in debriefing from the roles that they took on without and were sometimes significantly traumatized by the roles they took on. Um, so 38%. Um, what that's one third. Now that could mean the other two thirds either never play traumatizing roles. It's one possibility. (laughs) Uh, And maybe if you're good at attracting potentially traumatizing roles, you tend to get them. I know that was a comment we had from some actors bemoaning that I always get the suicidal characters. I always get the depressed characters. So maybe there's something else going on there. Um, But also There is still, a, I think, a degree of shame, guilt around an actor admitting that they don't know how to do that, even though it's not being taught, even though it's not kind of official, this is the official way to do it, because I guess it is, in one sense, peculiar to each embodied human being. Um, It's a really profound and significant issue, and I will continue to advocate for us to Do the scientific research around it, which also calls into question how we think actors should create such roles. I think that's due for long overdue for review, and uh, and making it now um, appropriate, necessary, safe, okay, no shame, no oh you aren't tough enough to do those roles, or you know the art I must suffer um, to be an artist. All that stuff is up for review. The thing that's coming to mind is the need for
2: a um, a professional, an experienced person, to be there in order to walk with that that artist on their return journey. And and aside from that, as in any other aspect of of uh, personal development or, or or help, the person, the human who is good at acting, needs to yep. um, needs to enter that enter that return journey with assistance voluntarily do you know what I mean so yeah yeah. if I put that correctly so a a person
1: may feel like well I don't need any help getting back from this place from the work I've done with actors where I've helped them in that processing debriefing part part of the effectiveness of the debriefing is how effective the warm-up practice is and I and and Alan knows from his experience what he's doing is helping actors set the stage, so to speak, for a process that will allow them to make a natural and healthy recovery journey with with minimal ups mm. and downs. Mm. Um, so we, we need to have a, a holistic view around the challenges of debriefing from roles rather than going, oh, we just need to look after that bit. Mm. And that's uh, in my opinion, is the wrong way to look at it. We need to look holistically, yeah. And what just I wanted to go back to what you were saying about Alan's work and about the the
2: journey into setting the foundations for the 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 the, the preparation for a role, which would lay mm. the pathway for the return journey. And I, yes. I think that allowing oneself to visit the vulnerability necessary for a, a, a role that if you lay the foundations on the way in, then you're also making it safe to go to the places that would then create the performance, which is which is believable for want of a better word. You know, If I could
1: pick up on that dynamic, because for me, the imagery I like to use is um, um, actors desire to climb to the peaks of performance and they love being up there. Like they're in the flow, they're in the zone and it's amazing and it's powerful and they're kind of going for it. And it's intense, but we, actually, as human beings, are not designed to live up in the heights of performance. We actually have to re-acclimatize mm. to every day. Mm. And so, as you're saying, what Alan is doing, and and, and so, some others are doing, is helping actors acclimatise healthily, step by step, safely, mm. Mm. so they have confidence when they're away from the support person. To, mm. to know how to do that, mm. to give the peak performance the flow and then know how to do the reacclimatizing, to be able to go home after a day's shoot and be with their family, their friends, and then come back the next day and do it all again. Sometimes I think we unhelpfully talk about actors being blocked when it may be more a question of an actor feeling secure in their capacity to experience a range of feeling states and be able to self-regulate when it's appropriate to self-regulate. So be able to enter deeply into feeling is not easy for people if they've been judged in their childhood or in past experiences for being too quick to show certain feelings and being told you mustn't do that. And they went, oops, shut down. Um, but but then made by by certain actors or directors to kind of, you know, push them over the edge (laughs) as though that was the right thing to do. I don't think so. And I I know Alan would agree with that, but it's it's much more about creating the right conditions for the actor to understand, oh, that's why I haven't been able to really tap into that feeling state with a sense of, ease and freedom to feel deeply and i and i know that from my own life experience where i it was not safe for me to show certain feelings because i would be attacked for showing strangely showing joy Mm -hmm. because my partner could not go to that place so Mm -hmm. i needed to constantly shut down access to joy um and that was very painful in fact i can i can feel (laughs) you may hear hear a shift in my voice Mm. as i feel the pain of that that regret that that um, part of experience but you also know i am a super (laughs) highly enthusiastic joyful person because i'm now free to own that part of me that i was not safe enough to own um, and I can also go to that other place because I'm okay with being vulnerable.
0: Exactly. There you go. You see, so you just demonstrated to us result, re- resilient vulner- vulnerability.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> ah, and I can also do that with a sigh. Thank ah, you.
2: What a great place to end. Yes. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for that.
0: It's it's been fascinating. There's been so, yeah, so many things that were said and and, and it's like we could go on, we could do this like every week. (laughs) If you've been inspired or moved by what you've heard on today's podcast, I invite you to visit our website, artistsindepth.com. There you can sign up for podcast reminders, get in touch with us through email or connect with other like-minded artists by sharing your thoughts on our blog and joining our community and finding out more about our initiatives. It's free and it's rewarding. Until next time. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada. Embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating, and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives.